Hey, let me pray as uh, we prepare to just dive into the Word. God, your Word is holy, and your Word is so helpful also, Lord, for us as we seek to know what it means to follow you, Jesus, and to be a church. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, illuminate the words of Scripture today and use me as a mouthpiece, Lord, to equip the saints for the work of ministry as we seek to be people who live out the gospel. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word, which has endured through the ages. Lord, we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like it or not, um, election season is upon us. And uh, I found myself I found myself being particularly drawn into a certain candidate's rhetoric recently. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I like those talking points. Oh, yeah, I'm getting behind this one. I'm like, I got excited, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, I think I'm putting my hope in this person here. Um, and we all do it at times. Uh, most of us wrestle with how we as Christians should engage or not engage in civic matters. Um, and I don't know about you parents, but I find it difficult to equip our kids for a biblical worldview when it comes to civic engagement. It's hard to uh, teach people, uh, young persons especially, nuance, right? Um, you know, the first question oftentimes our kids ask us whenever we're watching a movie or reading a story or talking about politics is, uh, is that person a good guy or a bad guy? <laughs> like, they're just black and white for them. They're like, do, they'll ask that, like, do we like him? Do we like her? And I'm like, oh, okay, how do we do this? So obviously, hopefully, it's not that simple for us, Right? Um, I'm going to just share my personal biblical conviction and then you'll understand why I'm doing this. But uh, I believe that we ought to engage in the world in which we live. And this means staying informed about current events, trends, and worldviews, etc. Uh, since the beginning, the enemy has been trying to teach us that uh, we have no responsibility for our fellow brother and sister, right? Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? But Jesus has taught us that we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, And so that involves um, taking uh, part in the policies and decisions that affect our brothers and sisters. And so uh, I do believe that we're supposed to be informed and involved. Um, I, uh, I think that we should exercise our right to vote, even though it's complicated. Um, I think Christians oftentimes choose not to engage uh, in voting, not because they have strong convictions against it, but because one of things, one of a few things, one is either they're just disillusioned, they're like lacking hope in our political system, um, they're repulsed by the political spirit, uh, they're overwhelmed by the complicated world in which we live, um, but unfortunately I think it's also because sometimes it's because we're cowardly and just lazy, and it's just like, I just don't want to do it, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to become informed, I'm not going to take the time uh, to make my, you know... Uh, to become knowledgeable in these matters. Um, but ultimately, I believe our faith should inform our civic engagement and make us more concerned in loving citizens, not less concerned in loving. Um, so obviously we know uh, from Scripture that regardless of who is governing, we're called to pray for them. And, uh, and I actually do pray that God would raise up uh, from the body of Christ those who feel called into the political office. We need men and women of God championing our, on a local level, on a city level, on a state level, on a national level, uh, in places of uh, school boards and PTAs, city council, state and federal government. 
And here's what I actually believe you would find if, if this was you. I think you'll find that the bar is set pretty low. <laughs> like the bar is pretty low for, for you if you wanted to get involved in these, in these areas. Um, the bar is set pretty low in, in terms of just uh, people of, of reflective thought, like people that should give time uh, to these issues. I think the bar is set pretty low in terms of just character. And so if, uh, if you felt that nudging at some point, I think you need to lean into that. Um, and of course, there are familiar demons like any industry, right? There is a political spirit that you'll need to be very watchful of and mindful of and praying to be protected from that you would not give in to the political spirit that puts our faith in a man or a person um, over that of God. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to remember that we don't have a uh, border crisis or a loss of American values crisis. We don't have a religious freedom crisis. We have a sin crisis. It's, it's a matter of the heart, uh, and that's why we put our faith in Jesus. Why do I begin here this morning? Because I'm starting a new campaign, and I want you to join my campaign. Jesus for president, okay? <laughs> Jesus for president. We, we need Jesus on the thrones of our hearts and on the throne of our lives. Um, if you've been following with us at all, at all People's Church Twin Cities, we've been going through a journey ever since Advent, really, where we did lessons and carols and we read from the very beginning of Genesis and the creation story and how God created each of us in his image and it was good and he loved us. And then we heard about the fall, Adam and Eve and giving into this temptation of Satan and then the result of the fall and thousands of years of, of people trying to, to obey the commandments of God and continuing to fail and the the utter destruction that came from that failure. And God being merciful and and forgiving his people. Um, But for thousands of years, it was like in the time of Judges where it says, in those days there was no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, which we know is wrong. Then we read about the prophets. We read about the prophets foretelling of this Messiah who would come to ransom Israel. But not only that, that this Messiah would bring good news for even the Gentiles, not just those who were ethnic Jews, but ones who were truly covenanted to him in faith. And then we read about uh, John the Baptist, this man who came to prepare the way in the spirit of Elijah, uh, to prepare the way of the Messiah. We read about the virgin giving birth. And now at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, we read about Jesus coming on the scene. He was dedicated in the temple. He was growing for 30 years in hiddenness. And then he was baptized with water and with the Holy Spirit. He was led into the desert to face the same test that the people of God had been facing for so many centuries. And he passed those tests. And that brings us to today where we read about Jesus taking his stand in the temple, in the synagogue... And we'll continue here in Luke 4, 16 through 21. Luke 4, 16 through 21. Ryan Nyquist, would you mind standing up and reading this for us? Luke 4, 16 through 21. And as he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to, pro to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord. You ever fall for a scam before? I don't know what you... I, I think I'm like a sucker for some of this stuff. It's happened to me more than once. I hate to admit it. Uh, one particular time comes to mind, and I'll share this story. I was in college. I was a junior in college. And all of a sudden, this guy rolls up in this minivan, and he's like, hey, we are about to do this big job in, uh, in, in this like, really wealthy neighborhood, and the, the factory gave us too many speakers. So we've got these leftover speakers here, and they're like a thousand bucks a piece, and I, I just need to offload them before I get to the job. Like, I'll sell them for 200 each. So I was like, wow. I mean, I could use a pair of nice new surround sound stereo speakers. I look on the box and, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, these are, these are like really legit. Like, I know a thing or two about acoustics. Like, this is nice. Okay. So I bought a set of these off of him for $400 and, and, then, uh, and then he takes off. Well... And then I go on to a, like a neighborhood, you know, like next door kind of type of site. And I started uh, reading some forums about a guy in, the, in a van going around selling these bogus speakers that are worth about 40 bucks each out of the back of his van. And uh, I was just like, cut to the car. I was like, oh, I'm just sick. And uh, <laughs> blew $400 on these, these speakers. They did work, but they were not worth $1,000. I wish that somebody would have told me beforehand, you know, like, hey, beware of the sketchy guy in the van selling speakers. So if that ever happens to you, just full disclosure, don't buy them, okay? In this story in Luke, it's crazy because Jesus stands up uh, in front of, like, his own church home. This is his hometown synagogue where his family probably went uh, to worship on a, on a weekly basis. And he stands up in front of people he knows uh, and, and in front of the religious leaders at the time. And he makes this declaration. He says, uh, today this scripture, which I just read, is being fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, this is the most audacious of all claims that one could claim. Um, but we know this, that Jesus had no fear of man. He was confident in his own identity. And we know this because God prepared him during that time in hiddenness for this ministry that he was beginning. But what's interesting is that resistance didn't start right away in the passages. It says that people marveled. They were in awe at, at his teachings. Uh, but then Jesus, he gives them the full disclosure. And he says, hey, before you assume you know what you're buying into here, let me just tell you plainly what's going to happen. He's, he said this, he said, people will reject me in my own hometown. No prophet is welcome in his own hometown. Uh, you're going to demand signs and wonders. You're going to demand a circus show for me. And, uh, 
And then, and then he said that uh, there are going to be many of you that actually don't receive the grace of God because of your hardness of heart. And like Naaman, there's going to be Gentiles who actually receive the grace of God through me. And at that moment, they turned on him. They took him to a high place, to a cliff, to throw him off of a cliff. Like, this is how his public ministry begins. Uh, so he's not campaigning in the way that a person uh, here on earth campaigns for presidency. Uh, because he's not concerned about how he polls. You know what I mean? He's not concerned about whether people like him or not. He's concerned about being faithful to the mission and the ministry that the Father has given him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus' claim uh, is this, that he is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 7, 14 would be a virgin birth, 9, 6, a son 11.1, 11.1, a shoot from Jesse, which is David's lineage. 11.2, the spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. 29.18, the deaf would hear, the blind would see. 43-5, a forerunner would prepare the way for him. 42.1, the delight of the Father would be upon him. 53.1, the message about Messiah would not be believed. 53.4, he would carry our griefs and sorrows. Four through six, he would be put to death for the world's sins. Fifty-three five, by his stripes we would be healed. Fifty-three nine, he would be buried in a rich man's grave. Twenty-six nineteen, resurrection from the dead. Sixty-one one through two, he he would proclaim good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, freedom for captives, release for prisoners, declare declare the year of the Lord's favor. What's happening here is not a man, but a God-man coming and taking his rightful place on the throne. King Jesus, in this moment, is walking onto the scene of salvation history, and he's declaring salvation for all people. He's declaring the kingdom of God is here. Jesus is not just claiming to be king, but he's also proclaiming the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is upon us. And this is good news for all people. Jesus had a very unique ministry, uh, and it's summarized in Luke 4, verse 43. He said this, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Jesus, King Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. This was not the kingdom of Rome. This was not the kingdom of David. This was not an earthly kingdom, but this was a heavenly kingdom. And he was coming to inaugurate this new kingdom here on earth. So why was Jesus sent? Jesus' mission is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Political administrations all have their own agenda. They all have their talking points of the things they're going to do. Uh, Jesus' political agenda was not to build a wall, but to break a wall down for all people to access the Father. Jesus begins to then prove himself as Messiah, king of this new kingdom. In Luke 4, 28-30, he says this, All the people, it says this, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. And what does it say next? Passing through the midst, he went away. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. 
So we know this, as Jesus comes to prove his claims, his audacious claims, this first point here, he has authority over human agency. No human can stop Jesus. No human can stop Jesus. Luke 4, 31-32. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had what? Authority. Point two, his words have authority. His words have authority. Luke 4, 33-36. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of, the vo- of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even the demons knew who he was. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. Point three, Jesus has authority over demonic oppression. Luke 4, 38-40, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Verse 40 says, At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Jesus has authority over sickness. Mm -hmm. Luke 5, 4-7. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Jesus has authority over the natural world. Luke seven fifteen and Luke eight fifty four through forty four. We're jumping forward just a little bit. Uh, Jesus healed a widow's only son, and then Jesus heals, excuse me, he raises from the dead a widow's only son during a funeral procession, and then he raises from the dead Jairus' daughter. And so we know this, Jesus has authority over death itself. So why is Luke so thorough in these couple chapters in the extensive list of Jesus' authority? Remember, We don't chiefly have a famine problem, a lack of education problem, a nations at war problem. The source of our problems is sin, and this is what Jesus came to save us from. But Jesus needed to first prove to us that he actually was the unique son of God, the Messiah, who has authority to forgive sin. And we see it so plainly here in Luke 5.23. If you haven't jumped here in your your Bible, please do. Luke 5.23. Jesus says this, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Mm-hmm. Let's just answer that question out loud. What's easier for someone to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? Yeah, it's easy to say that, right? Why? It's hard to prove. Exactly. Verse 24, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
King Jesus has come with authority and he begins establishing his rule and reign. In his kingdom, he has authority over human agency. No human can stop him. His words have authority. He has authority over demonic oppression. He has authority over sickness and disease. He has authority over death. And he has authority over the natural world. And he has authority over sin that has brought about every form of evil. And you want to know why Luke's words from 2,000 years ago are good news for us? Because these things are still true today. Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Jesus was not just full of authority and power 2,000 years ago. He still is full of authority and power today. Amen? And the need is as great as ever for King Jesus to be on the thrones of our hearts in our world. The need is as great as ever. Uh, our world is plagued by hatred of other peoples. Our, our world is plagued by wars. Our world is plagued by isolation and racism and classism and godlessness and hopelessness. People are despairing. They need the good news of the gospel. And it's this gospel, the gospel of King Jesus, that we as a church proclaim. And what I would love to do is to actually share with you a simple version of the gospel that I hope you will take and run with so that you can share this good news with other people. I'm going to share this on the whiteboard. So for those of you that are visual, hopefully this will help. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to share uh, two, two, two tools here. One is the four Ps. And the other one is the bridge diagram. And some of you may have heard this before, but it's always good to be reminded of these tools. Uh, so the four Ps, the letter P, uh, just stand for four different things. And this is the salvation history story, which we've been going through in detail as a church, reduced down into some simple points for people to connect the dots of what is this all about. The first one is this. God created us with a purpose. I say this. On purpose, for a purpose. That's where I tell people, you are no accident. Your life is not an accident. Whether your mom and dad intended to have you or not, God intended for you to be born. He made you in his image, and he calls you good. He says that you are made in my image, and you're beautiful, and you are loved, and you were created for a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. Your life has meaning, and God has created you to glorify him through good works. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Do you know that? So many people have never heard that before. So many people just walk around as though they happen by chance and they have to somehow create meaning in and of themselves, like through their own life, through their successes. Like they have to somehow by proving their parents wrong or by exceeding expectations, they have to somehow muster up their own purpose in life. 
And you can tell them confidently, God created you on purpose for a purpose. But there's this, this problem. This problem called sin. And each of us partake in this sin. And the sin is when we decide in our own hearts what is right and wrong, and we choose to follow our own ways instead of God's ways. And instead of letting God be the, the Lord of our life and the King on the throne of our hearts, we take that place that He deserves. And that separates us from God, because the Bible says that God is perfect, and nobody imperfect can come into His presence. And so it's created this chasm, this gap of relationship where you can't come to the Father. You can't have a relationship with God. And that's why you feel so far from Him. And you try with all of your good works and try to be a good person, but it will never measure up. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's a problem and it's called sin. Sin separates us from the love of God. There's good news. Jesus Christ came and made a way. Jesus Christ came and made a way to ransom you back to the Father, to do what you can't do for yourself. He came to die for us on the cross for our sins, to pay the price, so that we could be cleansed by the washing of Jesus' blood. And when we, when we acknowledge and confess our sins, and when we confess that Jesus is Lord, that God raised Him from the dead, we can experience salvation and experience this coming back into relationship with the Father. This is God's provision. God provides a way. Jesus died and rose for the forgiveness of our sins. And then there's an invitation. There's an invitation for you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you just simply have to respond through prayer. 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 Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I confess that I, I, I can't hold it all together. I confess that you are God. I confess that you are King. I believe in my heart that you have been raised from the dead. And I invite you to come into my life, to be Lord of my life. Save me from my sins. Will you be my Savior? And through prayer, we invite Jesus to save us. These four Ps are just a simple way for us to remember as we're sharing the good news of the gospel with people the components of God's love, of God's mercy. Uh, and then there's this visual illustration that I'll share that's following the same four Ps. God created us on purpose to be in relationship with Him. God made Adam and Eve, and God walked in the cool of the garden with them. Life was perfect. It was beautiful. And that's how God intends relationship with him to be beautiful and perfect. We were created on purpose for a purpose, but there's a problem. 
our sin has caused us to have a rift in our relationship with God. And so no longer can we be in relationship with a perfect God because our sin separates us from God. And our sin has led to death, destruction, hell, all sorts of evils, both in this life and next life. And the most good people you can think of, just shout out to me, church, just a good person that you, you can think of. Katie Racine. Michelle Swanson. Okay. <laughs> Katie Racine. <laughs> Katie here. St. Kate, as I call her. St. Kate, in all of her good works, she can run and she can try, she can work, she can strive. And you know how far it's going to get her? Right about there. She's going to run, 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 and then fall flat on her face. Mother Teresa got about here. The Pope gets about here. <laughs> All people in their attempts to jump will never be able to jump the chasm to get to God. Anybody been to the Grand Canyon before? Yeah. yeah. You couldn't run. No matter who you are, you could never run and, and, and span that gap. You could never do it in your own. And so our lives are doomed to death, destruction, to the fires of hell if we are not saved, if we have nobody to come and save us. The problem here is sin. Our sin separates us from God. But Jesus came to make a way for us. He came from heaven to earth to make a way. He came to make a way for us to be in relationship with God. And so, some of us are way over here, far from God. Some of us are here on our journey to God. And some of us are here. And I was just like, this is a great question to ask people. You draw, some people are far, some people are on this journey, some people are close to God. Just say, hey, where are you right now? If you were on this drawing here, where are you in relationship to God? Like Katie. You're like Katie. <laughs> <laughs> well, daughter, I want to give you some good news. You know what? <laughs> Jesus made a way for you. And you know what? You could ice skate right over to him right now. <laughs> and now Katie and Emma can be here in loving relationship with God. This is the good news of the gospel. God made a way. And when we pray that prayer, it means something. I think that a lot of Christians have, um, have kind of overcomplicated the gospel. I'm not saying that the gospel isn't robust. I'm not saying that the gospel isn't complex and beautiful and all of its nuances and all of the atonement theories of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But when we make it so complicated mm -hmm. that we can't even articulate it to somebody yeah. that we're sitting next to, something's wrong. Yeah. Right. We've actually taken on a spirit of religion where we actually think that people have to go to seminary to understand the gospel. Yeah. Each of us should be able to, in our own words, articulate how this applies not only to us and share our own testimony of how God came into our life. Hey, I was so far from God. This is how bad it got. And then Jesus came on the scene. He came into my life and he brought this person into my life and then shared with me this news of the gospel of Jesus. And I, I prayed that prayer and I gave my life to Jesus and I've never been the same ever since. 
That's good news. That is such good news, is it not? As we look at scripture, uh, we'll see that there are really two types of people in this world. Uh, Luke 5, 31 to 32, Jesus speaks to this. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I believe that as we read the Bible, what we learn about humans is that there's two types of humans. One is there are broken people and there are proud people. There are broken people who know that they need help. And then there are proud people who are convinced they don't need help. The proud people think they're healthy. They think they're righteous already through their good works and their good deeds. And Jesus says, I have not come for those. I have called the sinners to repentance. I have come for the sick. And so those broken people, they know they're broken. They know they're sick. They are humble. They are needy. They're blind. They're the hungry ones. They're the prisoners. And so we have to ask ourselves, what kind of persons do we want to be, first and foremost? Mm-hmm. What kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be a proud person who's convinced that they're enough? Or do you want to be a person who's spiritually broken and needy? The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he actually opposes the proud. What kind of person do you want to be? Will you, have you received King Jesus as the Lord of your life? Have you taken yourself off of the throne? Have you taken your idols off of the throne? Have you placed your faith in Jesus above all other philosophies, all other theologies, all other ideologies, all other human ideas? What kind of persons do we want to be? And then my second question for us is, will you commit to being a part of a church that is committed to worshiping King Jesus and furthering his kingdom work by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Will you commit to campaigning for King Jesus, commander-in-chief, all the days of your life? Because that's what we're going to be about. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to be about. I'll tell you what that looks like. We're going to be a people who preach the gospel to all people. Because Jesus is hope for all people. That means wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we go, we're going to share the good news of Jesus Christ with all people. That is going to be our prayer and our aim. Because Jesus came and called people not to be fishers of fish, but fishers of people. Mm-hmm. We want to be fishers of people. Mm-hmm. We want our boat to be so full that it sinks. <laughs> I want this house to be so full that it sinks. <laughs> <laughs> right into the foundation. I wouldn't even be mad about that. Like if we packed this house so full that, you know, some inspector came and said, hey, your foundation literally just sunk into the ground. I'd be like, praise the Lord. <laughs> we'll take it as a sign that we're doing something right. 
So here's going to be my challenge for us, real practically for us in this new year. It's January of 2024. Uh, I, I, I assume that there are some people in this room that have never had the privilege of leading somebody to the Lord and actually walking them through this gospel message and saying the sinner's prayer with them. Here is my prayer that every single person in this room this year would lead one person to Jesus. Like, just imagine what that would look like. Just imagine if a year from now, we could be sitting in a room like this with twice as many people and people could say, I would not be here today if it wasn't for Ryan sharing the gospel with me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jocelyn sharing the gospel with me. why we came. Mm-hmm. So why we came from San Diego. So we were out on a date night last night. My wife is freezing and she said, we came here for a purpose. We came here for a purpose. That's why we're here. So oftentimes we get so busy. We get so busy thinking that life is about Buying and selling, right? We think life is about achieving, about our career. We forget that there is a purpose for our lives. Not only to be in relationship with Jesus, but to invite others into that relationship with Jesus. But here's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to daily remind us of this and to fill us with boldness. And so I just want to pray this over our church I just want to pray this over our church and I just want us to respond by asking for Jesus to give us the Holy Spirit. Because this doesn't happen in our own strength that happens by the grace of God. We don't have to strive to be better evangelists. We don't have to have the office of evangelist to be an evangelist. We don't have to be a Todd White or a Billy Graham You can be an Isaac Hubble and be an amazing evangelist just by the way you live your life and talk about Jesus. But we need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you desperately. We need you to break our hearts for what breaks your heart. We need you, Lord, to fill us with compassion for those who are walking in spiritual blindness. God, we need your compassion for those who are spiritually hungry. Lord, we need your compassion for those who are lost. God, we need your compassion for the prodigals, Lord. Jesus, you love people so much. I pray that you would give us your heart for people, that we would love people, and that we'd spend the rest of our lives using every resource and every faculty and every opportunity, Lord, God, would you forgive us for the ways that we have squandered our our opportunities, Lord? I'll be the first one to admit, I am so timid. I'm so timid, Lord, to speak the name of Jesus. I'm so timid to talk to strangers, Lord. And I just want to say I'm done. I I don't want to partner with, with that cultural norm that says we don't talk to people. God, can we just start conversations and just talk about Jesus the way that we do here in church? 
God, I pray that church would not be the only place that we speak the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for our church that every single person in this room this year would have the opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord. Whether they've done so a hundred times or never before. God, I pray that in 2024, this would be a year where they could look back and say, I led somebody to the Lord and somebody's life is forever changed because of me. And because of the way that the Holy Spirit worked with me. God, and I pray that those people, whether there's 30 or 40 of them a year from now, Lord, would be worshiping together with us, God. And I pray not only them, but their families, God. And I pray not only their families, but their co-workers, God, and their neighbors, Lord, would come to faith, Lord. I pray for every family that is represented here, Lord, that there be people coming to faith in their extended families now, in Jesus' name. I pray for every neighborhood. Just think of your neighborhood name. Right here, Lord, in Browndale, Lord, we pray that somebody would come to faith this year in Browndale neighborhood, Lord. God, I pray that more people would come to know the name of Jesus, proclaim him as king, and to begin living in this new kingdom, Lord, that is so much better than living in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or Canada, Lord. It is so much better to live in the kingdom. God, it is so much better to be a member of the kingdom party. Jesus, would you do it through all people's church, Twin Cities? You are the hope for all peoples. It's why we came. It's why we're here, Lord. Break our heart for the lost. Fill us with the Holy Spirit now, I pray in Jesus' name. I'm just going to invite um, the Audrey. You can either play worship or put some worship on and we're just going to respond in our own words. And if you want more of the Holy Spirit, uh, some of our prayer team just felt um, compelled to pray for you specifically. And so uh, we'll do kind of a soft close here. Um, but if you want to just press into this more and you say, I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need more of the Holy Spirit to give me, uh, to break me free of the fear of man. We just want to give you an opportunity to do that. So we're going to put on some worship music and if you've made a commitment in your heart to follow Jesus in this way or to pray uh, for the lost and to see somebody, uh, to lead somebody to Jesus, this is a moment just to even journal that, to share it with somebody next to you. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So if you made this commitment, solidify it. Write it down and say, hey, I'm going to lead somebody to the Lord in 2024. And I'm going to do it this year. And uh, let's just be a church that encourages this, that shares these testimonies when they happen. And let's be a church that presses in for the Holy Spirit because we need more of the Holy Spirit.